presented by the Florida Squeeze. I'm Carter Krishnire. And I'm Robert Bucciolato. Let's talk about the Civil War in Florida this week, Robert. All uh, right. This is the juicy stuff. This is what this, people want to hear. This is the big topic. And, yep. <laughs> of course, Florida uh, played sort of an outsized role in the Civil War for the population it had at the time. It was the least populated Confederate state. Mm-hmm. Obviously, today it's the third uh most populated state in the entire union, the second most mm-hmm. populated southern state, but at the time it was a sparsely populated uh, place. However, Florida was critical to the Southern yeah. War effort. And and you know when it when they seceded, um, there was a famous uh, story where they seceded and, and they said, "Well, let her go." You know, it wasn't it was you know we were sort of considered as an afterthought. Um, but you know, we had a uh, governor by the name of John Milton who um, early on tried to push the state towards um, being more of a supply state than of a, um, a soldier supplying state. And his idea was he wanted to shield Florida from um, a lot of casualties. Um, and we were, we were pretty lucky in that regard. Um, but we were very important to... Uh, to the region, to the Confederacy. And interestingly enough, um, even though mainland Florida was uh, very much uh, pro-Confederacy, we had a few, um, we had a few forts that were um, held and remained held by the Union, which um, I don't think, I'm not sure if that actually happened anywhere else in the Confederacy. Right. So, so uh, one key fort was Fort Zachary Taylor, mm-hmm. which was in, in Key West and uh, was active during uh, um, the Civil War, had a large collection of cannons um, and uh, was a beachhead on the Union's attempted blockade, the Anaconda Plan uh, of the South. And, and I, think, um, I, I think people forget just how... Um, how critical shipping was to the Confederacy. And, uh, you know, we now think of the American military as this very powerful, um, massive force. But at the time, you know, 1860, when we were on the cusp of the Civil War, I think we only, I think James Buchanan only had about 16 or 17 uh, divisions at his expo at his um, at his behalf, and most of them were in the West fighting Indians, um, and that was that was one of the big things that he was afraid of was the fact that had they gone to war, he didn't think he would have enough troops to protect the White House, much less you know the District of Columbia. Whereas the fever for um, volunteering in the South was really extraordinary. But at the same time, they weren't being recognized by any any other um, nations. And uh, the one good asset that the U.S. had right from the beginning was they did have a powerful Navy. And right from the very beginning, they were up and down the East Coast just making sure that uh, trading was as difficult as possible for the Confederacy. So blockade runners became a critical portion of how the confederacy stayed alive economically they didn't get the recognition uh they had maybe uh in in a diluted sense expected from uh the powers of western europe particularly Mm -hmm. england and france they thought that uh with the dependency of those uh european countries on cotton 
they would uh, they would recognize the Confederacy. Uh, there were uh, points in the war where it looked like they might. There were points uh-huh. in the war where it looked like they might afford the con- Confederacy a co-belligerent status, which would be a de facto uh, uh-huh. admission that they were an independent uh, state fighting against another uh, uh recognized republic uh, the united states that never happened so blockade running um mm-hmm. became especially important and robert florida was the center of that absolutely and um you know it i i think um it's also you know when we mentioned the forts it's um it's important to stress that particularly in key west you know we still had federal judges we still had an infrastructure in place. So um, I always kind of, it reminds me of, you know, for a long time in the 50s and 60s, you had the battle between the two Chinas. You had communist mainland China, and then you had um, Taiwan, which was viewed as the real China. For a while, there was, you know, mainland Florida, which was with the Confederacy. And then you had right off on the coast where, you know, Florida Strait, you had the Union Florida, which was Key West. And um, they were doing everything they could to maintain order. And uh, as a result, because they were able to uh, stay in those forts, they um, they had pretty much the run of the mill all up and down Florida. And it was a site of um, a lot of blockade running, but also a lot of uh, capture. And um, as a result, you had um, a a higher dependency on the agricultural supplies of um, of North Florida, of the Panhandle. Ferdinand was uh, captured in uh, March of 1862. And that was another important, right, right on the Georgia border, mm-hmm. uh, as, as our listeners know it is, important moment in the war because the, once the Union captured Fernandina, it seemed like much of the Confederacy's planning was about defending interior areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, prior to that, there had been the hope that uh, they could engage in, in, in some degree of naval ba- uh, battle and protect cities like Savannah and Charleston up the coast, which eventually they were unable to do. Now, now and when we talk about Florida and the Civil War, um, one of the things that, and we had been, we have been discussing this subject up and down in preparation for this topic tonight, but um, one of the things that people forget is when they hear about a state seceding, they think that, you know, they all just 100,000 people in unison said, yeah, we're leaving. (laughs) Whereas um, the reality was that each state held a peace conference and they were trying to to do what they could to remain in the state and then uh, in, in the union. And then at almost in some cases, simultaneously, you had a secessionist conference So, you know, a lot of these situations were were very deeply divided. And as a matter of fact, um, there's one story that Bob Graham loves to tell, and that is uh, that when we did secede from the Union, um, we all in in Tallahassee, we all gathered together and we, you know, we rode in triumph to um, the historic Grove mansion which at the time, you know, it would go on to be, you know, immortalized by being the home of Leroy Collins. But at the time, it was the home of a former governor, 
um, Richard Call. Um, and he stood out on the patio and he essentially, um, you know, he, he preached this condemnation of their actions and said, you know, <laughs> you're, you're going to bring on, uh, you know, hell to this state. Um, so it was not, you know, you had these figures, these very prominent figures who were, um, you know, they were not um, happy about this whole disunion. And um, and I, I think um, I think this is something that um, people sort of look over was the prolonged debate of uh, secession and Florida once like always we were caught up in the middle and <laughs> we um, you know and, and we kind of pushed our way into the conversation and um, and I, I, I think we were I, I know we weren't the first but I know we weren't the last state to secede. Yeah. Yeah, of course, South Carolina was the first state. Uh, important batters, battles in Florida. Uh, Alusty comes to mind. That was the only yeah. really big battle in the state of Florida. But also Natural Bridge. And yeah. Tallahassee was the one capital in the Confederacy never captured by the Union. They still brag about it, too. But, uh, you know, th- for the longest time, that was, um, that was a, a very big day in Tallahassee. And, and all up and down North Florida was they reenacted that battle and they would have parades and they would have, um, you know, they would have big giant cookouts and musicians. And I mean, nowadays, you know, it, it seems kind of silly because it, it wasn't a, a giant battle, but um, in their eyes, that was the silver lining for people that were pro-Confederate in Florida was that the Union soldiers turn and ram. And we preserved Tallahassee. Tallahassee never surrendered. And so, uh, yeah. So four years ago was the fourth was the hundred fiftieth anniversary of that battle, and I was quite surprised when there were no commemorations. Because when I was growing up, which I'm dating myself, I'm only in my forties, but when I was mm-hmm. growing up, you're right. It was a very big deal in Tallahassee, the commemoration of that battle, which was um, March of 1865 leading into uh, the surrender of the Confederacy and uh, the, the suicide of Governor Milton. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was one sense piece of pride that North Floridians continued to have uh, throughout the years. And, and I don't know if it's political correctness or now uh, people don't want to celebrate the Confederacy. But for whatever reason, it's not a big – I've noticed it's not a big deal anymore. Well, you know, and it was, um, you know, it was in the 90s where I think it was during Jeb Bush's term where they, they finally took down the Confederate flag. Yeah, yeah. Governor Bush had the uh, – I was there when that happened, when he had the Confederate flag taken down. No one was causing the sort of fuss about it in Florida that they were in other states. Yeah, in Georgia. Bush being for – yeah, in Georgia in particular, where Zell Miller had tried to get it off the state flag and had failed. Roy Barnes then did get it off the state flag and subsequently got defeated for re-election. Um, Jeb Bush very proactively took it down quietly mm-hmm. and uh, – uh, there wasn't much of a fuss. And, and um, I know that when I went to school here, and I'll, I'll date myself now, we'll, we'll, you know, I won't let you be the only one that you know, exposes how old you are. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s, but when I went to school in uh, middle school in, in Tallahassee, um, this was back in 98 and 99, um, there was a lot of programs that were about Andrew Jackson. And there was a lot of celebrating 
the fact that Andrew Jackson was not only an American president, but that he was, uh, quote unquote, the first territorial governor of Florida. And that, too, is sort of glossed over. And I think a lot of that is maybe uh, different sensibilities of, um, you know, of the region and of our people. Um, you know, there there's definitely an, an undercurrent in um, the new school of historian where it's, it's based more on being critical and coming up with a, a critical argument um, as opposed to just telling history. And so there, there's a real hard, um, there's a real hard effort, I think, to, to sort of, um, I, I, not, not erase, but, um, not make as prominent certain figures like Andrew Jackson, like Thomas Jefferson, who were slave owners. And, you know, there was an effort to remove, uh, Woodrow Wilson's name off of a building because he was, uh, you know, he was not pro women's rights. He was not pro, um, African-American civil rights. Um, you know, so it's just, um, I think the pendulum has just swung the other way towards correctness, maybe. Um, but uh, you know that's that's a whole other conversation. I think for a whole other time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Woodrow but, Wilson actually was the president that yeah. instituted segregation, and, and um, he was a lot more than against civil rights. I yes, mean, he yes, coming after a series of Republican presidents who had been pretty soft on, you know, had been you know, Theodore Roosevelt had had appointed African Americans to oh, sure. uh, federal positions. He was a, quite a uh, quite a departure, but. Um, before we, we finish this episode, Governor Milton commits mm-hmm. suicide as the Union forces are closing in on Grant. Uh, excuse me, on, on Lee yeah. at Appomattox uh, and uh, talked about it would be more uh, death is preferable to the odious nature of living under Yankee rule. Mm-hmm. That's something that that sort of thought persisted throughout the Reconstruction era yeah. and into the era of the Bourbon Democrats. Absolutely. And, you know, um famously enough um where he was from uh in in north florida they still swear to this day that he didn't actually commit suicide that he was cleaning his gun and it backfired in his face and then that's what <laughs> he died from um so there's actually a dispute now um wow. but between whether he actually killed himself or not but um no you know and and uh, that is, you, you see it in Florida, you see it up and down uh, the history of the South. That is the great tragedy of uh, the ending of Reconstruction. You'll see a lot of elected African Americans to the Senate, to Congress. Um, the person who replaced and sat in um, Jefferson Davis's U.S. Senate seat was an African American. Um, we made monumental strides as a nation. And then when Reconstruction ended and the Bourbon Democrats came into power, um, it was like a time warp. We went back in time as though nothing happened. And then you wouldn't see, they wouldn't see any gains until the mid-1960s, really. During Reconstruction, uh, we had a number of uh, African-American Republicans uh, yes. elected to office in in the state of Florida, again, that only lasted about 10 years. 
uh, the Democrats come back in power and you have Jim Crow until the 1960s. That very much is the legacy of the Civil War in Florida. Uh, final thoughts, Robert, on, on this topic. Um, I mean, we could we could honestly dedicate hours and hours to this subject. Um, the the only thing that um, I would like to touch on is the fact that um, we we did play a part in Florida. Um, I don't know if it was as glamorous as, say, Virginia, um, but strangely enough, we had two southern governors, uh, Florida governors, who fought at the Battle of Gettysburg. Uh, one, actually, uh, Governor Perry, was part of uh, Pickett's Charge up Cemetery Ridge. Mm-hmm. Um, there was not any part of the region that escaped this terrible, bloody conflict. And it's the only time in our, mer- our, our nation's identity where we weren't able to communicate. And um, I, I really hope we never see something like that again. And um, I hope the state of Florida becomes a lot more functional than it is. Yeah, the lessons of the Civil War or the war between the states, if you prefer, that's the Southern uh, version of Southern nomenclature for the war, live on today. And it's important to learn from history, which is part of the reason we're doing this. Uh, So, Robert, um, we will be back next week with another new podcast. Outstanding. So we look forward to talking to you again then. Uh, Once again, I'm Carter Krishnire. Thank you for listening. I'm Robert Bucciolato. Thank you very much.